Hey guys, welcome to Real Estate Happens. This week we got a pretty good show for you. You're kind of stuck with me all by my lonesome, but we got three really great topics to cover today. We're going to talk about disclosure when someone dies in a house, and I think that's so important. We're going to talk about LLCs, how to run your business as a real estate agent as a business, not just a sole proprietor, save you a little bit of money, provide some corporate bill protection for you. And I'm going to tell, tell, tell you step-by-step step really how to do that. And then the last thing we're going to talk about today, uh, we're going to talk about turning an investment property into a self-directed IRA. Pretty cool stuff. Hey, you're not going to want to miss this. Stand by. Here we go. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Real Estate Happens. You know, it's going to be a uh, interesting show today. There's no guest today, so you guys are kind of stuck listening to me. Uh, but there's just some things uh, that I kind of want to talk about and go over that I think are important uh, for real estate agents for a couple of different reasons. We're going to talk about disclosures today. We're going to talk about individual agents running their business with an LLC. And then we're going to talk about taking an investment property and turning it into a self-directed IRA. I know that sounds funny, um, not anything that I was really familiar with uh, until we ran into this uh, here a couple weeks ago. But, you know, kicking this right off, uh, disclosures. You know, we always talk about disclosures, and we say, disclose, disclose, disclose. We talk about real estate, we say it's location, location, location. But as a real estate professional, you disclose, disclose, disclose. And, you know, one of the things that we're taught when we say um, in statistics and everything tell us when we do the research that if you have a house uh, that has had a murder in it or haunted or whatever you want to call it, that you really probably should not disclose that or you're not required to disclose that for sure. And statistics show sometimes you're better off not disclosing that. Um, I think some things have happened here in the last couple of weeks that have probably convinced me that you probably should disclose that uh, property uh, under contract um, has gone, you know, two or three weeks. They're doing well, it's gone two weeks. They do their home inspection during the home inspection. Neighbor comes over. They find out that someone died in the house and it completely killed the entire deal. Um, and, you know, that's that's makes for a bad situation for everybody. So you go the other direction with it and you go, okay, so we, there's a backup offer on the property. So you say, Hey, look, you know, Hey, look, uh, just let, let you know, first offer is backed out. Uh, you guys are in there when of course the question is, why did they back out? Well, there was a death, uh, in the home. Boom. Second contract's gone. So there's this fine line between do you disclose or do you not disclose it? And I think it's a great topic for discussion, so I bring it to you guys. I'd love to hear back your feedbacks on this um, as to whether you think it should or shouldn't be disclosed. It's interesting because, you know, just because somebody died in the house, I mean, that does, there's no material defect wrong with the house. It has nothing to do with the property, the boundary, uh, has nothing to do with any of that. Um, and in the state of Virginia, certainly not something you have to disclose uh, because it doesn't cause an issue with us. Now, I, I think there are a couple of reasons uh, that you would have to disclose it, but certainly just someone dying in the house is, is not a reason for that uh, to occur. Personally, me, I don't think it would bother me. Um, I've talked to some other people and uh, you get mixed reviews. You know, some people are like, oh, no, I would never want to live there. And then somebody brought up the point, you know, we do live in Virginia. It's a, um, a Civil War battleground state. And if you go back far enough, you can probably find, <laughs> go back four or five hundred, you probably find somebody killed on, on a lot of the properties around here, just whether you knew about it or not. So I guess the question is, if you don't know about it, is it going to hurt you? Um, do you guys think that it's in the future cause a stigma 
on the property, even down the road. Now, this in this particular case, it was a highly publicized um, case. Um, everybody knew about it, one thing or another. Um, very sad situation. Uh, I talked to one of my agents in the office and said, hey, look, this property's coming back on the market. Here's the reason why. Uh, she said, oh, my God, that's so strange. She goes, I've got a person that just hit me up on Facebook and said, hey, you know, I'm looking for a property. Unfortunately, it's not in the same price range. She says, it would be even better if there was like a, a, a murder homicide on the property. So the macabre, some people, I guess, really um, like that. So it's just very interesting. Should that be disclosed or not disclosed? Haunted house, I, 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 you can't prove that. I mean, you can't. But someone being murdered in a house or someone being killed in a house or someone dying in a house, I mean, that's a fact. It, it did occur, although you're not allowed to, to uh, disclose it. So, or you can, depending on what your sellers say. All right. So that being said, uh, let's move on to our next topic. Um, love to get some feedback on that. A lot of agents are still running their business as a sole proprietor. And I think there's some validity to uh, getting an LLC and writing your contracts and them at an LLC. And I will quickly explain, A, the benefits of it, and B, I will explain how to do it. And I think that's probably as important, if not more important, uh, than the benefits of knowing how to do it, right? So you get it done right. So writing, you know, running your business as a, as a real estate agent, not a brokerage firm, a real estate agent, independent contractor, um, you, the benefits are this. So let's say you go out and you make a hundred thousand dollars this year. You have $30,000 in deductions. Therefore you have a $70,000, um, profit coming in or, or net. So your gross is a hundred, your net is 70. If you're a sole proprietor, you're going to pay self-employment tax, uh, both parts, employer part and employee part, roughly 30%. So on $70,000, you're going to pay about 30%. And guys, I'm, I'm disclaimer, I'm not a tax accountant or a CPA, but this is the way I was taught. This is the way I've done it uh, for years. And it has saved me a lot of money. I really has. It really has. So anyway, so you're a sole proprietor. 100,000 gross, 70,000 net. You're paying 30% on $70,000. Okay. So if you get an LLC and treat it as a sub S corporation. So, and I suggest if you do this, you get the LLC in your name, incorporate your name. So mine would be Kenneth A. Letner Incorporated, right? And then I get a DBA. Kenneth Lettner. Now, the reason I do a DBA or doing business as Kenneth Lettner is because now I need to be writing those contracts in the name of the corporation. When I sign that information on that contract, I need to be signing it as Kenneth A. Lettner, Inc., and nobody wants to see that. So if you have a DBA doing business as is Kenneth Lettner, and the reason they have DBAs is because the name you put out to the general public has to be traceable back to you. So you can't have your LLC, you know, be uh, ABC and Inc., and then you put out to the public that you're XYZ. It, it doesn't work that way. It has to be a registered name with the SCC as a DBA. That way, you know, when you're putting your business out, it's something, like I said, uh, that can be tracked back to you. All right. So so you get a uh, an LLC, uh, turn into a sub-S corporation. There's some other paperwork that has to be done. I'll go over that in a minute. Uh, but now that you're functioning that way, you as an individual become a W-2 employee of the LLC. Now, there's a DPOR business entity real estate license that you have to get. But we're going to talk about that, so don't get hung up there. So now your real estate company can pay you 
they can pay your company, they pay your LLC, and then you, LLC, pays you. So let's go back to that same scenario at $100,000 gross, 70000 net after any deductions. Of that $70,000, you then decide how much of that $70,000 is a reasonable salary. So let's say you're going to say that uh, it's 40000 Okay, so you take a $40,000 W-2 salary, and on that $40,000, you're going to pay the employee and employer um, monies of, of the, uh, the taxes on that, the self-employment tax, your FICA, Social Security, uh, those types of things. That leaves $30,000. That $30,000 is now comes over to you as an owner's draw and is based on your individual tax bracket, which could be between 20 and 25%. So what have we done? We went from 30% down to that 20 or 21%. And so that's saving you, you know, 10% on $30,000. I hope I haven't confused anybody on this, but just real simple, 100000 30000 in deductions, you have $70,000 in profit. Decide what you're going to have as a W-2 salary. You pay 30% on that. The rest is uh, comes over as an owner's draw, and you pay what your, just your, whatever your household tax bracket is on that as ordinary income. So it saves you some money there. Also, the benefits of having an LLC, it does help provide that corporate veil uh, that they talk about, um, you know, and there's some rules about how you have to treat that. You can't use that LLC account and that bank account, that business banking account. You can't use it for your personal business. You know, any money comes out of that and talk about that. So that's the benefit. All right. So how do you set that up? Pretty simple. You get a LLC limited liability company. You file that with a state. You have it treated as a sub S corporation. File that with the SCC. You also do an operating agreement. So the operating agreement tells how everything is going to work within your LLC. And that's something that people are going to ask for because you can have an LLC, but then you have to have the operating agreement to say who's the signing authority, who's the managing member. There's a lot of questions in there and each state's a little differently. Uh, you can easily do this through Rocket Lawyer. You can go into Rocket Lawyer, uh, sign up. You don't even have to sign up. You can just create an LLC and then they'll file it for you with the SCC. There's a charge to that, but you don't have to do the the $40 a month to have that, that account. You can just do individual documents. That's a, a great way to do that. So what do you need? You need your LLC. You need your operating agreement, which can also be done in Rocket Lawyer. And then the third thing that you need is an EIN, your employer identification number. And that's like having a social security number for your business, which is important in and of itself. I mean, it, got to pay taxes, right? So the business has to have its own, basically, social security, which is an EIN. It all can be done through Rocket Lawyer or any of those services out there, or you can get an attorney to do it. doesn't matter. If you do it through Rocket Lawyer, I think the total cost is going to cost you between four or $500, somewhere along in there. But you're going to need those three items because the fourth thing, fourth thing that you need is you can't put this money into your personal checking account. This money has to go to your business checking account. All right. So you need your LLC treated as a sub S corporation. You're going to need your operating agreement that tells how your LLC works and who's in charge, who can sign, who can do whatever. You need an EIN, which is your employer identification number, same as a business. It's a, like I said, social security number for your business. And you need a business checking account. Now, 
Once you have those things, the fifth thing that you need is you need to file with Department of Professional Occupation Regulation. So DPR, same people that you get your, your real estate license through, and you need to apply for a real estate business entity license. And what that does, and we all know that the only person that can pay you is your broker, except, and there's always an exception, right? Except if you have a business entity license. So now your brokerage firm, when you get all this paperwork, they have two licenses for you. One is your individual real estate license. And then hanging right on top of your individual real estate license is your, is your business entity real estate license, which allows your brokerage to treat your business entity as someone that they can pay. And that's who they write their checks. That's who they write the commission checks to. So here's how that, that comes down. So commission check comes in um, as the brokerage firm. I then write the commission check to the business entity license that you have. That's in that name. The check is written to that. Now that's a business check. Now, one of the rules of the business check, you cannot cash a business check. Business check has to be deposited into a bank. That's just, I'm sure, so the government can track what you're bringing in and what you're spending. Super, super important. So you take the money, you deposit it into your account, that becomes your business account, right? And then if you want to take money out for yourself, and we can do a whole nother show and talk about, you know, how do you build capital within that business? And we, we can get into that. But anyways, that money goes in there. And then if you want to use any of that money for personal use, you write a check from there to you as an owner's draw throughout the year. Now that's a pretty simplified version of what you need to do but it absolutely is exactly how it works. It works really, really well. Um, this allows you to do a couple of things. Most people, most real estate agents, you know, they get their, their check in, their sole proprietor, they put it in their personal checking account. They're paying a tax on that. And the old adage is you spend what you make. Uh, and that's an absolute truism. So just a little side note, little tip. If you do this, and I think everybody should, decide on a monthly basis how much money you really need to run your personal life. All month long, you get commission checks in, you put them into the business account. Once a month, you write a check for the money you decided you needed on a monthly basis. You leave the rest of it in your business to build capital. Okay. Now you are spending the money you make, but it's the money you decided that was going to be what you're going to take out as a owner draw personal. Let that money, the rest of that money stay in the business. Let it build capital. Uh, number one reason businesses and look, let's, let's be honest as an individual agent, you are a small business. Don't let anybody fool you. You absolutely are. And I think every agent should be treating it as a small business. And the way to treat it as a small business is to start with this LLC and start acting that way. Start acting like it's a business, not your own personal checking account. Uh, one of the other things that you might want to consider doing is adding QuickBooks to your life, uh, especially if you're running this as a business. It's going to really help you understand where money's being spent, how it's being spent. It's going to help you at the end of the year when you go to file taxes. So there's talk about taxes real quick. There's an extra cost at the end of the year because you're not just filing personal taxes. You're now also filing a business tax or a corporation taxes. A um, little bit more cost there, but I mean, it, it's it's well worth it in the end. Certainly pays for itself. So that's kind of the rundown on LLCs uh, and how that done. If anybody has any questions uh, about that, you can pretty much talk to uh, most Good tax accounts understand that. Uh, I know Stacy Vernon with Abacus Accounting and Chesapeake has a really, really good handle on how this goes down and how this is all handled. And the reason that she does is, I mean, she's been doing mine for a very long time, and that's why I went to her in the first place, because she had a really good understanding of it. All right, so 
that's kind of LLCs and, and running your, your business as an LLC and how to save a little bit of money. So I hope that helps. Last thing I want to talk about today. You know, I have um, condo, uh, several condos, but the one that I have, I have one in Hampton and I market's hot. You know, properties are selling for way more. This is a, uh, was recently um, renovated, so it looks good. It's got a, um, a tenant in there, a long-term tenant. Um, it is making good monthly cash flow. Great property. But somebody came and offered and wanted to buy it, and uh, they offered me a price that I think was very, very well. Uh, we talked about it for a while. Then they decided they really just didn't have that kind of a cash flow right now to buy it. I jokingly said, well, why don't you just take it out of your IRA and make it an IRA? He kind of laughed. And he chuckled. This individual is a former financial planner. He goes, you know what? Wait a minute. So we did some investigation. He got somebody to do it. And here's what we found out. You can take money from your IRA and you can transfer it and use that money to pay cash for an investment property. And that investment property becomes what's called a self-directed IRA. There are a lot of nuances to this. It is not expensive to do and it protects that property. So, so what's the benefit of doing that? Well, number one, you can pull your money out of the IRA without penalty because you're transferring it from one IRA to the other. So there's no charge there. So you're not getting penalized all this, you know, 30%, 35%, all this effort taking the money out before age 59 and a half, which is certainly what you don't want to do because that's when you lose a lot of that money. So number one, you got a straight transfer, no penalty. That's good right? Now that it's in the IRA. So let's say you pay $100,000. Say you have, uh, say you pay $100,000 for, you transfer $100,000 from your IRA to a self-directed IRA, which is an investment property, which is a property. So now that property, the LLC, you have to start an LLC for it. The LLC, which is your, owns that asset. So that's a good thing. Here's what's really interesting about it. You now have the ability, and this is the biggest kicker of all, you just avoided capital gains tax. I know. To it as a Roth IRA, pay the taxes going in. Any money that that thing earns over and above what you paid for it, when you take that money out at age 59 and a half, it is tax-free. I couldn't believe it. I had to look it up myself. I was... Crazy. I was like, what in the world? Now, you do have to wait till you're 59 and a half to to do that. But I mean, hey, the money was in an IRA anyway. So now you've got the monthly cash flow. You've got the um, higher set. Look, over time, you keep a property for 20 years. It's going to be worth more 20 years from now than it is today. All of those gains, there's no long-term capital gains on the money anymore, which is great. And, you know, so I don't see how this can be a bad thing. If you're looking for a long-term investment for your rental properties, it's a really, really good way to do this. I'll leave some links um, in the in the notes area on this podcast uh, for a couple people to call and talk about this. But it's just a very interesting way to be able to do this. Now, he talked about, and I, I'm still working on, you know, kind of understanding all the nuances about this. But I asked him, I said, you know, what about the monthly uh, cash flow? Let's say a property's cash flowing $1,000 a month because you pay cash for it, right? So you don't owe anything on it. So you're cash flowing $1,000 a month um, and you're taking that money out. Is that penalized? And he actually said, and, and and I want to get back with him again on this. He said it's not. There's a 72E, which is called an evenly monthly distribution that you can take. 
It's not taxed because it's your Roth IRA. You pay tax going in and not coming out. So it's interesting. I, there's a little bit more research to do on that. Just, you know, I think it's something worth all of us really looking at a little bit closer, which is called a um, self-directed IRA, moving your funds from an IRA to a real estate property and that real estate property then being owned by the LLC. So just an interesting concept um, that I think we all try to learn something new every week and kind of go over these things. So guys, that's really all I have today. Love to hear your comments on disclosures, LLCs, and these self-directed IRAs. Give us a buzz. Love to hear from you. Uh, I'm going to let you guys get back to work. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Everybody have a great day. 